You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey, all, Michael here, one of the pastors of the Village Church. Thanks for listening. Today, uh, today we're looking at the teaching roundtable recap, and two weeks ago we talked about uh, preparing a sermon, talk, discussion, conversation, group discussion, whatever, uh, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. With me today is Scott O'Donohoe, I'm one of the pastors of the village. And Kelly O'Donohoe, a teaching roundtable participant and note taker. <laughs> Your title changes <laughs> Note taker. That is I good. am the note taker. <laughs> Cool. Oh, yeah, and I have some questions. In Question Asker. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this. We talked about <laughs> preparation and editing, and that's why I have some questions for you gentlemen to recap our conversation. First of all, why does a teacher need to prep? And that may sound like a dumb question to some of our listeners, but tell us what is the alternative, because not everyone preps their talk, right, or their sermon. So what is the alternative, and why would you guys say that a teacher needs to prepare? <laughs> I'll go, and I'll set up one thing I, I didn't really mention. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Teaching Roundtable is something that we started in January, um, basically once a month-ish. Uh, took a little hiatus in the summer, but um, we just get together with people who teach, open the Bible, and, and try to bring it to life for uh, predominantly for those in the life of the village church. And so there might be group leaders in there, or uh, Kelly teaches um, Rooted regularly for the women. Uh, Scott and I preach, and... Um, uh, yeah, they, you know, Scott and Kelly also lead a group, and so there's lots of context um, and different types of people in the room. So we just create space to talk about that. So why does a teacher need to prep? Um, for me, I just go to maybe two things primarily um, because we get to value the word and we get to value people's time. And so as we value the word, we get to get at it and figure out what's there and what's true and, and you know, what, what did it mean, all those things. But then in the way that we kind of piece together our talk or sermon or conversation or whatever, um, it is a value of people's time. And we've probably all been in rooms where people stood up and seemingly just like off the cuff said words. And there are very few people who can do that effectively. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's pretty obvious. Uh, I think maybe recently um, was at a funeral where I was just like, what on earth is this guy talking about? It was clear that he was just up there like riffing on some things that might be true about dead people and maybe the Bible and whatever. And it's like, my goodness, this is is a waste of time. And it, and it wasn't, uh, yeah, not good for the people in the room. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say Value the word and value people's time. Um, we do have a, a divine authority. Uh, the revelation is God's word. And, and we do get to use our gifts that we get to grow in, like the rhetorical skills that God gives us to, to not just bring it to light, but to bring it to bear. And so uh, it's worth a little effort um, to make it clear, to bring it to bear. The alternative to that is just some flippant, lazy talk that has something to do maybe with the Bible, and that's not okay. Yeah, winging it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like honestly, that's the alternative is winging it. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, the word is like scripture, something that needs to be put into people, and so preparation is first and foremost for the teacher. Teachers aren't like preachers, teachers, whoever's kind of walking into a room to open up the scriptures or help people understand them. 
Like, it's not something that's in them. They might have it memorized, they might know it or whatever, but like, it is something outside of us that we are sitting under. It's not something that we just assume that we know what it says. And so, like, part of the preparation is letting the word be put into us first. Um, and uh, also, like, man, it's something that gets to be for us as well. Like, we get to... Uh, we get to enjoy what's there and know what's there and appreciate what's there before we just like kind of fling into other people, you know, like we should sit and make sure that like we actually are feasting on the word before we invite other people to enjoy it. Um, and so, yeah, we get to, we get to let that be put into us. We get to enjoy it. Um, and then I think after we've done that, we get to then invite other people into enjoying that as well. And if we kind of skip those steps and we just say, ah, I'm just going to give people something like, and you spent no time, <laughs> like your assumption is like, you know, what's there already, you know, what needs to be said and that your thoughts off the top of your head are going to be in line with the scriptures or with truth. Or maybe it is like to the guy officiating the funeral, maybe there's some true things that you're saying, but maybe it's not coming from the passage that you have open right now or whatever. And so, yeah, I just think there's like, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of assumptions that go into just, assuming that you can wing it when you show up. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That reminds me of several months ago, and I have no idea what the topic was, but we talked about throwing handfuls of sand. Mm -hmm. And so even if you show up knowing you have some good things to say, you want people to catch what you're throwing at them too. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a little bit with editing. But in the meantime, um, we, the three of us around this table agree that teachers need to prepare. However, we also agree that teachers prepare differently and not every teacher prepares the same way. So mm -hmm. we asked people in the room on Sunday or Michael asked people in the room on two Sundays ago, what the common, oh no, I'm sorry, how they prepared kind of what that process looked like for them. And we heard from several people, different personalities, different um, teaching contexts. What were the commonalities we saw and how those different people prepared and what would you guys even say should be the must haves for every teacher in terms of their prep? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the first thing is studying, which is, at least when I think of preparation, that's usually what I'm thinking of is, uh, certainly the, you know, writing is part of the editing is part of all that, but like, I think of the study first and foremost as the preparation. Um, yeah. And so like asking, like, what did this mean, uh, to the original writer and the original hearers of the word? So that's just part of it. And that's, you know, digging into culture and context and words and, all those things and also like what does it mean and so that's that was a part of I think everyone that shared too was like okay we got to know what it meant and now we have to figure out what it means and so how do we apply this what does this actually mean for us today in terms of the way that we live our lives or what we believe or um, any of those things at all so those two things for sure yeah I mean I same thing Bible and maybe some adding to some of the stuff that we had talked about um, on this podcast and in roundtable up to this point but we want to get it right and so mm -hmm. we want to get it get it what's there and then um, and then um, eventually get it across and like yeah really the the process is that going from yeah. getting it getting it right to getting it across and that takes into account all kinds of things uh, contextual things audience things textual things, mm -hmm. you know, all, all uh, maybe even timeliness and what's going on around us, all those things. But at the end of the day, you get from the Bible to the audience. Um, and I probably already said it once, but like we want to, to get it, um, yeah, get it right and get it across. I, I guess I would just say that. I, and I think it was a little loose, but I think 
most people kind of sat in that, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, uh, in some, some way, shape or form, but again, most of the people in that room are people who largely value the word and yeah. value, um, not just the word for the word's mm-hmm. sake, but application of the word as well. Uh, some helpful consideration, um, one of the resources that I passed out uh, on that Sunday was from uh, Simeon Trust, and it was um, David Helm who wrote the little expositional book on preaching mm-hmm. uh, through nine marks, whatever. Um, he put together a resource, and in that resource, he basically simplifies the process. I think these are good words, and so I just want to talk through them. Like exegesis, one, theological reflection, two, persuasion, three, and I think Scott and I chatted. I love that he uses the word persuasion as like our aim, which is because it really is to persuade, um, and that's not to coerce or manipulate, but right. but we are we are declaring truth so that people might behold the truth. Yeah. Um, so like our job is to persuade, um, not to convince even, but it is to like move people to like a greater understanding of the fullness of God. So he takes it from text, first audience gospel, current audience. And so you take those kind of three movements, exegesis, theological reflection, uh, persuasion, and again, text, first audience, gospel, current audience. Um, For me, uh, the way that process shows up or the the way that prep shows up is um, I I think I can boil it down to three ways, like what I would call the dig, and that's like what's there, uh, the frame, and that's how am I making sense of this, uh, and then the writing, like just doing it. Um, and so we, we can talk more about that if you want. But yeah, yeah thought that was some helpful stuff. And mm-hmm. it was cool to hear even from like Doug, like mm-hmm. he walked through his entire process. So mm-hmm. pretty cool to hear uh, just different people and how they process differently. So. Yeah, it's uh, a couple of things like one, it's hard. <laughs> I think that's like it's difficult. Thanks for it's like it's hard work, you know, like laborious. Yeah. And everyone who's done it, I mean, who shared in the at, at the actual in the actual conversation, like talked about how the process is difficult, um, and you know maybe some are easier than others or whatever. In the day, it's still it's laborious. Like it, it's it's really hard work. So like just because it's tough or hard work doesn't mean that you're bad at it. <laughs> like, but how many conversations have you and I had where I'm like, I this is really hard. I I can't do this or this must mean I can't do this. That's not necessarily true. It should yeah. be hard to a degree. Hopefully, it gets easier over time. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's. I mean, I think that spills over into like what I think are must-haves in prep. Um, one, like, well, uh, another common thing is it ends at some point. The preparation ends, and you're done. <laughs> That's true for everyone. That's like, literally on my list. Which is helpful, helpful to remember. But I think a must-have is like working up to that. Three things: it's it's trusting in the text, trusting in the spirit, and trusting in the process. So, like, I mean, there's the if you're working from the scriptures and you. Uh, you are sitting under them. You're trying to bring them to bear on people's lives. Like, man, trust what's there. Trust the the Bible that it what it says is what it says, and you can let it land on your folks. Trust the Spirit that no matter how your prep is going, no matter whether or not you're totally satisfied with the polish or how clean it is or your frame or any of those things at all, man, just trust that the Spirit's going to do what He wants to do with your sermon and then entrust the process both like uh, in preparation and in in future further discipleship so trust the prep that God has walked you through over 
you know, whether it's hours or days or weeks in advance of whatever it is that you're beginning, like preparing to share, trust that God is, has been part of that process and that what you end up with is kind of where he wanted to bring you in that. Um, but then also trust that like, you know, if you're leading a, a community group conversation or you're preaching a sermon or whatever, like those are regular repeated opportunities. And so like those are cumulative things over time. So you don't have to like nail it in every sermon and say all there is to say in every sermon or all there is to say in every group conversation. But you get to trust that like God is the one who is ultimately discipling his people. And so, man, what you say or don't say, wish you would have said, wish you would have said differently or whatever, like there's uh, all the time before eternity to like (laughs) for him to reveal that to the people that you're talking to and remind them over and over and over again. You know what I mean? And so it's like not not everything comes down to this one thing, which is really hard to remember when you're in the midst of like prepping for this thing. That's a big deal and that you care a lot about. So, yeah. You guys are cracking me up. Hold on. The two preachers at the table have organized their answers to this question into three points around the theme, you guys. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you are such a nerd. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, what, what was you, you said? Text, spirit, process? process? Yeah. I mean, it's worth saying that if you are listening to this or you haven't spent much time doing this, uh, and we'll get to like how prep changes over time or whatever, but the process piece, you probably don't have a process. If you've never yeah. done it or you're like, hey, I'm teaching a class like in the fall, like, but you don't normally teach class in the spring or summer or winter or any other time ever, um, it might be worth like just taking some reps on your own mm-hmm. and like looking at uh, a focal text that's coming up for a sermon or, for, or just like... Just practicing as if you were going to like give a talk or a sermon or whatever, um, because really you can't. It's really difficult to like hear these words and apply them without uh, doing this Practice. stuff. I yeah. Think. yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. It's good. I think the question matters because I think David said this, or maybe multiple people said this um, in our time together. But we have we all have finite time, and mm-hmm. so some people's time is more finite than others. Preachers who are preaching Absolutely. week after week after week, and you're doing this over and over. But even if you have months to prepare a talk, at some point your time is up, and so and I know I have I still do this. Like you could, I can never get enough study in. I could mm-hmm. study the entire time and keep studying. You just never know all of the things, and so my temptation every time is to want to just do a little more study and there always comes a point in time I get to the very end and I'm like oh but if I just had more time it would be so helpful if I understood this but I don't have more time and so I have to go write something and so I think that's just helpful for any teacher to go in knowing there's multiple things that have to happen during your prep time and you need to leave yourself space to do them Mm -hmm. you can't let one thing take up the entire or like you know if you jump in I think we talked that Sunday about jumping into writing without some of the study and then you end up having to redo the whole thing or I think it's just helpful to know going in what is the plan and do I how do I allot myself time for all of these things so yeah I think it's a helpful question sure we talked about the commonalities that people had amongst their preparation what about how it differed or how could prep differ based on the type of teaching you're doing and the audience that you have Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe in the, in the class, I think somebody brought up like the idea of having like a quick turnaround for like leading a group, Mm -hmm. like somebody's leading a group on a Sunday night. How does that look like? Which the Lumpinas are about to do. Right. And so (laughs) if if their text is the text that we just preached on Sunday morning when you're leading a group on Sunday night and it was interesting how, you know, yeah, Doug was like, I mean, you know, he's been doing this a long time Mm -hmm. and like, he's like, ah, I mean... I think if I have what's there and like, 
you know, like, hear yeah. a sermon on it, no one advanced the text, like, yeah, really, and he said, if you have 12 people, 15 people, you're only asking a few questions, and so, like, clearly he's competent to handle the word, yes. and kind of know where you want to go, and so for him, super, he's not, like, crafting, he might craft an arc, but he's probably not crafting, like, anything crazy in terms of, like, declaration, mm-hmm. These things I know will come out of this conversation with these few questions. Mm. That's, I mean, that's pretty, that's, that doesn't mean that he's not intentional. It doesn't mean that he's not whatever, but that might look different than like, let's say Craig Clow, who was also leading a group, but he's also doing like systematic Mm -hmm. theology on Mondays and like digging. And and that's just in group. Uh, And so like, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to spend more labor doing uh, exhaustive study and uh, a 40 minute monologue well, you're, that's going to be a lot different if sure. you're, you know, preaching proper, what we would say, like traditional sermon to a larger group or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because you're the only one talking mm-hmm. and, it, and everything needs to make sense yeah. and it needs to flow and it needs, versus, I mean, you're in a group, you're kicking stuff around and you can know where you're going to go and you can even craft some questions along the way to like, you know, navigate on the fly. So. Absolutely. Gosh, on the flip side of that, as a person who likes to be in control, sometimes a monologue sounds so much easier than trying to prepare like some kind of direction that's going to be interactive because you know where you're trying to go. But at least I feel the need to account for the different directions the women might take us in or questions people might have. And I don't feel the pressure to have all of the answers, but I want to have some kind of an educated idea of how to respond or where to send them or when to cut things off. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, that's a, it is a completely different type of prep when you're expecting people to talk back to you because you almost have to, it feels at least like I have to have a, a maybe a, not, it's not shallow. Like you can't go as deep necessarily, but you have to go wider. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say with that? I would say on the flip, as a preacher, I, I think not subconsciously, consciously, you're trying to mm. tear down those objections that don't flow from hypothetical, well, that, that don't flow from real questions, but hypothetical Yeah. in the the, That's true. the course of a sermon and so like the, the only kind of thing that puts at least in my own mind puts more pressure on me to not be able to like navigate mm-hmm. in a room you can say I, I don't know like what what do you guys think about yeah. that and like interact with it and like yeah I think or but but having to like in one line declare mm-hmm. a truth about that makes yeah. it like Ugh. And you but, have to anticipate the questions, yes. but if yeah. you don't, and someone has, then you just don't have a chance to answer it. That's yeah. yeah. It's like sending a big long text to like a <laughs> giant group chat, and it just sits as red, <laughs> and no one replies to it. No one says anything, and you're like, "What are people thinking about this?" You know. So are you guys saying that you want people to tell you after you preach what they're thinking? <laughs> uh, no, that's not always true. I I would encourage people to pray about it and sit with the spirit and uh, let them. You know. And that's what community group is for. I encourage them to talk to their group. <laughs> that's Right. Go to community group and hash it out. No, I think there's definitely... Give them your compliments, guys. Yeah. Tell them when they say something good. The, uh, like, there's a difference between a monologue and a dialogue. It's yeah. kind of what we're saying or whatever. And I think there's... yeah, Like, we'll hit on this more, um, you know, talking about audience stuff the next for the next uh, mm-hmm. roundtable or whatever. But in terms of just asking, like, hey, what if I'm going into an environment in which I'm, I'm the only one talking versus a... Uh, a group discussion or a class, you know, or somewhere in between, like what can only occur here in the space that couldn't occur in some other environment. You know, if I'm preaching, like I, I get to declare lots mm-hmm. of things, you know, which in a group setting, I'm probably not going to want to dominate the conversation the whole time and just yeah. say lots of stuff. 
Versus if I'm in a group conversation, what gets to happen only there is that I get to hear from other people. I get to give some ownership of exploring and discovering stuff and reflecting there. And so it's like it does shape the prep and and like for a, a monologue, I'm trying to draw people in to like see what's going on really just kind of through my experience in some way. So like I have to kind of paint the picture for everyone to get on the, on the bus with and follow me with and all that stuff versus like in a conversation, I still have to know enough about how this person relates to me in order to translate that into questions about how do I, how do I help people explore and kind of how do they get to paint that picture out, you know, for them a little bit. So it's like it, it requires both some reflection and some declaration, but I think in preaching, like especially with the way our sermons kind of shape out, I mean, we certainly invite folks to kind of reflect throughout, but by and large, we're declaring things when we preach throughout, and then we end on an invitation to respond, to reflect and repent and respond, versus I think in in more dialogue situations, we're inviting people to reflect like as we go and respond to stuff as we go. And at least for me, like I want to end with declaration more than anything else. So having, you know, having said all these things and guys, we've talked about this and there's this and this, like, I just want to send us out with, you know, this reminder, this truth or whatever. And so in some ways, like it's, it's not absolutely those things, but the monologue is more, I think, declaring lots of stuff and then invitation to reflect, to repent, respond. Whereas maybe in a dialogue, you're thinking more along the lines of how am I inviting reflection and response and that kind of stuff during, and then like sending out with maybe some, uh, some more clear declarations in some way. It Truth is all throughout those things. Reflection is all throughout both of those things, but maybe there's a different emphasis there. So I don't sure. know. I would add one thing. I don't know if this is the scope of the question, but like um, for preaching in particular, a book which we're jumping into this week second peter by the third sermon in there you're like okay context is like we know where we're at and like how we got here and you know you're like sitting in the living rooms with those people versus like a thematic sermon series which is different or even if you were like giving a talk at like a a conference or like a that's really thematic and so just like a mindfulness of like um the context for um, journeying through a book, like you are sitting in the book, mm-hmm. like in those ver- those particular verses. And if you've listened to any of these prior, like we value the word and we mm-hmm. think that really the round table is when you open the word, what, you know, what do you mm-hmm. say? But if it's thematic or it's topical or even in some lesser forum where it's like, okay, then your content might drive a little bit more. Yeah. And so just being mindful of like, uh, I, I know a, a friend who's like, oh, he had to like teach at a dad's and son retreat. Well, that might look different than like a Bible. And so like you're yeah. starting with different, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. you're crafting content more than discovering content. Mm-hmm. So like those are just some things that might change. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Uh, so in any of these situations, how do you know or when do you know if you've prepared well? What's the mark? Say, uh... <laughs> Thunderous applause. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Thunderous applause. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I guess the question is, before you before you say the words or after? You can answer however okay. you want. When do you know? How do you know? Do you ever know if you've prepared well? Is it based on how you feel when you're teaching? Is it based on the feedback you get after? Is it based <laughs> on someone texting you later about the thing that you didn't 
necessarily care if they remember it and they uh, missed the point of your sermon. Yeah, all those things. Um, is it when you show up to group and you realize no one's following your line of questioning? Not that I've been there multiple <laughs> times. I mean, I could hit on all of those. I, I think for me, like, honestly, having done what I do for a little while now, like, and I mean, Scott asks every single week, every single Sunday, um, before I preach, hey, how you feeling? And, you know, I, I say, like, on purpose now, like, oh, fine. You know, like, I'm not going to be like, dude, I cannot wait. Or, like, oh, gosh, I want to throw up. I'm calling in sick. Um, but, like, but I know, I mean, I know, like, kind of what I'm aiming at, uh, I think. And putting all of the stuff that we've talked about in more together and kind of the rubric of, like, man, what what's effective? Uh, and so... I think um, even without looking at a rubric m- myself, I know based on how prep went, how my week went, what my notes look like. Um, and for me, like it, it really is a, a balance of like some markers for me are like, do I believe that this is accurate? Is it clear? Is the frame something that's like, okay, like, you know, I could share it with you right now and, and you would understand it. Um, but really the, the major miss for me that that is like a big difference maker is like, do I have human elements in this, um, whether that's story or example or something that's like a little bit of a pause of just not just commentating on the on the text over and over again, uh, but is it like, okay, is there an opportunity for me to be a human and for humanity to come out in the words that I'm saying or the persuasion that I'm aiming at? Um, yeah, and is it transformative or is it just um, de- declarative? And so... I think some of those are some of the things that w- when I feel um, after I preach and I step off the stage, for me it's like, oh, that felt okay because there was some humanity and so we're like some swings of emotion during the sermon. People's facial expressions weren't just, you know, like proverbial playing Candy Crush on the phone. <laughs> but like yeah. there were some swings of emotion and I mean like connection with people when you're saying, like all those things and it was true and it pointed them to Jesus and we leave like lifted up more than kicked in the you know all the all those yeah. things and so, um, but at this point I mean I I have a rubric and I can say oh three out of five but really it's like intuitive at this point I pretty much probably know how things are going to go by and large based Before on just you doing start it. talking yeah yeah that's good yeah for me I think it's like did I make much of Jesus so like was Jesus the big deal of the sermon like if that happens and I. That's clear from my notes. That's clear when I'm preaching. Ah, that that was the emphasis. Hey, that's a win. Um, did I illuminate the text? Did I make it clearer, or did I make it muddier? Um, you know, that's like a. But if I made it clear and maybe brought the meaning out, uh, so that if someone were to go back and read the focal passage when they got home, or in a week, or in two weeks, like oh, like they would see, like they would see what I saw, or if they were to look at my notes and then go look at like my points and then go look at the text. They would see where that's coming from in the text. Is it cl- did I make the text clear? How do you know if you made it clear? How do I know if I made it clear? Um, because because my points are directly pulled from the text in some way. So using the same words, using, you know, uh, like even statements, which you don't get in every focal passage. There's not these nice clean little statements. Oh, he put that in there so I could use that for a sermon point, you know, on my slide. Like, it's not there, but like, do my points, or is the language that I'm using, or am I layering on top of that other Christianese, or my own language, or my own words, or my own ideas on top of that? Which sometimes, like, there's context and there's stuff that, hey, what we think it means from the quote-unquote plain reading, like, it's a little bit different than we think. But 
by and large, am I making the text more clear or am I muddying it? Um, and then lastly, did I make it clear like why this matters? You know, like I might make much of Jesus and I might, you know, explain the text, but like why does this matter to the people in the room? Is it cultivating Christ-likeness, calling to repentance, uh, comforting, you know, the suffering, whatever it happens to be, like what's the good news that I'm bringing to bear that actually changes people's life? Now, those things are like when prep goes well, when I'm looking at my notes or when I'm like, yeah, reading through it in my head and those things are clear, that's when it's going well. That doesn't mean that it's always going smoothly. <laughs> like those are very different things. I could come out of a, a very difficult week of trying to write a sermon, but it's but I would still say that that prep went well in the sense that it ended up with something that pointed to those things, but it doesn't always mean that like the prep went smoothly. So if I'm enter, able to like enter the week with a frame, a loose frame of where I'm going with the text, if I can have a draft done by Thursday night, if I can spend the weekend just kind of editing and not creating new stuff and write, like then that's when it's gone smoothly. But I think that's different than prep going well. So yeah, that makes sense. I think mine looks a lot different. It's, I'm much less experienced than the two of you, and I do a very different kind of teaching. But I just think of like what I'm working on the morning of, because usually I'm teaching on a Monday night. And mm -hmm. so what I'm doing during the day on Monday is usually indicative for me of whether or not I prepared well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> because if I'm still, if I'm freaking out and I'm still literally finishing the thing or writing the thing and I'm stressed about it, I did not prepare well because I probably studied too long and didn't start writing soon enough or whatever it is. But but if I have something and I'm editing or tweaking, I'm always doing something with it, you know, or I feel like I could go in and work with this, then I think I probably prepared well. And that just looks, which honestly is not always directly correlated to how the night goes. Sometimes I don't prepare well and it turns out okay. And sometimes I prepare great and no one has any idea where I'm trying to go. So <laughs> that's a different, a different month. That's funny. Um, so prepared well. How about editing? So we kind of talked about this at the beginning. And again, like that's, I think one of those things that you could easily leave out um, or forget to make space for but mm -hmm. what what is editing in preparation for uh, a sermon or a talk and what role does it play how do you know when you're done editing or maybe when are you done editing i think that was illuminating for me from our time together something that michael said so yeah i mean i think most of us would say that we're never done editing <laughs> a sermon when we step off the stage like maybe. but even yeah when we step off step off the stage because even then like i think I think all three of us would say that when we are delivering whatever we're delivering, whether it's a rooted class, a sermon, uh, or like a group discussion or whatever, like whenever we're done, even if we have notes and me who manuscripts everything that I say, <laughs> there are still things that like come out of my mouth and that I say that like weren't in my notes, you know? And so the, I would consider that editing in some way, shape, or form. Like I'm adding to changing what's there. Um, yeah, that's true for all of us is that it's not really done until you're you're done. You're done. You know, um, <laughs> that was freeing for me to hear. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's okay. And I, I think there's, you know, I think we, part of that's getting to let the spirit have some play in there and prompting with who's in the room or, yeah. uh, even worshiping and enjoying what we're preaching as we're preaching it. You know, might spur us to think about some things or whatever. And so, yeah, prep, prep, heavy prep on the front side doesn't eliminate the spirit like from doing stuff. He's part of that, but we all, there's also freedom to. Let him do stuff while we're doing it too. I thought he only worked spontaneous, <laughs> spontaneously. <laughs> well, do I have a surprise for you? <laughs> um, so, uh, in terms of like the role that it plays for me personally, as someone who manuscripts, um, and this is it's three points, and they all start with C. So, <laughs> I'm doing it again. Uh, you guys clearly edited the notes of this podcast. <laughs> Cohesion, conciseness, and uh, comprehensiveness. So, like 
for me as someone who manuscripts everything, like it's really easy for me to get kind of to, to miss the forest for the trees of like my points. And so I'm like spending lots of time fleshing out each point or sub point or whatever. Um, and sometimes I'll get to the end of writing like a full sermon, but I've spent so much time in the weeds of every point that like I go back and I read the whole thing and it's like, oh, there's like, what's the common thread? Like there's a common thread that's missing or it feels like there's not a unifying theme. It's in my head, but it's not, it has not been transcribed to the page like I think it is. And so um, editing for me allows there, it, it, it's a, it's an opportunity for me to like make those threads clear, change some language, use the same words in some places to make that stuff come about. More clearly, uh, conciseness, um, I clearly have no problem with words. Uh, well, my problem is, like, too many of them. Uh, I so I need to... What was your thing about editing? I have to edit down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, and I find myself in editing sometimes, I'm like, ah, oh, I want to clarify this or whatever here. And so I'm, I end up, like, editing up. And it's like, no, 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 I need to edit down and say things more concisely. You know, I think I, I, I always... Man, I want to make sure that I hit everything and explain everything to the T. And um, sometimes that actually makes things more muddy. And so I need to be concise, edit down. Um, Michael tells me just say it and move on. You know, <laughs> like you've said that to me before. Uh, and then the third hey, thing is because my wife's told me that. Before. No, <laughs> just say it. And it's move good on. words. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really true though. Like, no, it's free. You can it's say right. it and then move on. Like, it's yeah. free. Um, the, the last thing is being comprehensive like it allows me as I'm reading through the sermon again like kind of as a whole oh what's am I missing uh, is there like a, a kind of person in the audience that I'm, I've not paid attention to or this might land what I'm saying here maybe this lands kind of harsh or whatever when I need to be I need, what's the good news that I'm bringing to that or um, maybe there's a cultural thing maybe there's something happening in the news or whatever that like wasn't there at the beginning of the week, but now is there at the end of the week or whatever. And so I need to, ugh, maybe that, maybe this thing that I'm saying or the way I'm saying it lands differently. So like there's like kind of that comprehensive, um, want to make sure I'm, I'm mindful of some of the voices in the room that maybe I missed the first time through. So yeah, cohesion, conciseness, comprehensiveness. Uh, yeah. So I have two, both start with C, but, um, <laughs> So it just means you guys are well prepared for right. this conversation. It's, uh, funny. What role does editing play in preparation? Well, let me tease something out first. So I said I, I do a dig, and then I frame, and then I write. I mean, whatever. More to it. But So the dig is scribbles, what's there, scribbles all over. The frame is like getting handles on what's there. Uh, you know, universal truths, what was true for them, what's true for us. Uh, letting the the con or the the text dictate the frame of the sermon like scott said you want like a main big idea but also like points to be reflective of the text um and then at that point i i then put it into a like a google doc and then start writing but there's scribbles all over in the frame some of that's already thought through many times i don't even go back sometimes i do but i don't even go back and look at that dig that probably has a lot of stuff in it i might like just like skim over it, but I'm not looking at that. For me, at that point, the frame, once it gets on a document, is like I'm writing it. Mm -hmm. I have a, an, a trajectory of an intro that kind of evolves as I like work through it, and that takes time. Like it's toil. Yeah. You can have like even if it's just a whatever a cultural reference or movie quote or story, but like to like hone it down to get tight to your main idea to the tension to your point. 
that takes work. And so even as I'm writing that intro, writing that intro, I'm, I'm editing line by line, like all along the way to like, okay, I feel like that's pretty tight. Hmm. I'll come back to it. Main idea, set that up, set up series, set up whatever. And then it's, and then the way this unfolds is three points, point one. I, so I put all that stuff, the big markers in a document, and then I just start filling it in, writing, thoughtful, really that go, that probably should be in the intro instead. And so like editing all along the way. Um, and sometimes it, it is just like, well, man, I just need to get through this. So I'll come back to that, fill in the gaps, yeah. whatever. And so all that leads me to, let's say I have something like right now, literally, what time is it? Uh, two o'clock on a Thursday. I have a sermon done. I have the notes slides made. It's uploaded in planning center. The sermon's done. <sighs> that feels really good. It's not good, and I don't even know what's there yet, because I've not read over it. So that's what I needed to do in the next two hours. I'll read over it, and like then I'll, what I will find is like, man, it's somewhat redundant because I'm trying to tie each point in to a, a un, like a mm-hmm. unity, but I'm saying things too often. I, I know that's the truth. This with this particular sermon, yeah, it's like ah, there's some redundancy, which can do what Scott's talking about. Either cut or at least retuck something mm-hmm. to where I'm saying all I can say all of that in one chunk rather than saying it three times teased out so that like that's literally what editing will look like but the reason why you're never done or I'm never done editing until you know I walk off of the stage after preaching is um, you're always striving for clarity Sunday morning when I look over it Saturday night when I look over it it's just man am I saying this in the simplest terms that I can and and to be fair, all this is in an idealistic world. Scott's, you know, Scott's written sermons where he's not thinking, okay, I've got this thing done. Who am I leaving out? Like, how can, like, that's pretty idealistic. Sure. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so we don't want you to think that every time it's like, okay, it's, it's Wednesday. I better hone this. No, like sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So all that to say, uh, you're fighting for simplicity, but, but for me, it's clarity. Do the things I'm saying, do they work? Do they make sense in like a you know, a structured way? Can someone follow along? Can they see in the text what I'm saying? And all that for me, the editing is about confidence. And I don't mean self-confidence. I mean, at the end of the day, what you're going to have to do is read words on a paper and say them in a way that looks really natural. Mm -hmm. But like, and I don't manuscript every single word, but I, I manuscript most of what I'm going to say. So you don't want to be up there reading. That's where editing and just being familiar is like, okay, I can pare that down. I don't have to write out this whole story when I can literally just tell you the story. For me, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So I'm not reading a story that I could tell you more passionately if I just talked to you. Absolutely. So those are things that I'm working on so that when I'm up there, I can be me and I'm not like freaking out about saying the words in a way that looks natural. I know it's there. I'm familiar with it. I can say it confidently and I can say it clearly. That's good. That's good. Uh, our last question, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about, is how has your individual prep changed over the years? You guys have both been doing this for several years, 10, 11, how long have we been doing mm-hmm. this? 12, we've been doing it longer, Michael, right? You preached to youth before that. Is that what I did? Uh, did you? I don't know. Did no, you? yeah, no, that's, that's true. <laughs> so how has your individual prep changed over the years, and how do you hope for it to continue changing into the future? God willing. <laughs> uh, Man, probably lots of ways. Um I think probably the biggest thing is efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you both said, Kelly, you say all the time that you just want to, 
you want to chase everything down. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just don't, I just can't. Right. Week on, week out, I just can't chase every cultural connection, every, and so like the, um, the quicker that, and I'm not shortchanging it by goodness. It probably takes me longer now to write a sermon than it did 10 years ago. Hmm. I don't know why that is. Um, but still, I would say efficiency in like um, getting more precisely what's true. Uh, all of the theological growth that I've like uh, received in the last decade makes for um, a more efficient process, but it also makes for a more robust process. So I want to get it right, um, probably in a way that 10 years ago, that might not have been maybe the highest aim. But um, but yeah, being familiar with lots of theological tensions and truths and knowing both sides of arguments all the way down, to, like that I just didn't have 10 years ago. Now I'm bringing all of that mm-hmm. theological understanding in. Um, and so that does make it more efficient. Um, it, it gives me more confidence to say things that I... I know to be true, and it also gives me greater humility to say them with like a little bit of like understanding on how somebody could receive that differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but but by and large, when I look at the text, I'm more quickly thinking, how does this show up six days from now? Really, mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking that a whole lot quicker just because I have to. So ef- yeah. efficiency, I would say maybe. Yeah, it's oh, good. Yeah, uh, I would say same for me. It's changed in efficiency. Probably confidence or whatever too. Again, from a humble, like trusting the text and the spirit and the prep, you know, through all that stuff. But I mean, it used to, like, if I knew I was preaching, I would spend like the month, before, <laughs> the whole month before, like, trying to get ready, get my head around stuff, and then still the week of, you know, it was like very common for me to scrap whatever it is that I had put together for three weeks and change it all <laughs> and start over like the week of. And, I mean, lots of reasons for that, you know, for sure. But it would, like, consume my weeks. I'd be really stressed out about it. Um, yeah, not clear-headed. I'd be a probably a grumpy mess. And, <laughs> yeah, it just – it was not good. Like, I, I would get to the end of the week sometimes and, like, just want to be done with it, which is not a place – like, that's not where I want to – that's not the posture of heart I want when I'm, like, preaching. And that's – I don't think I ever preach from a place of, like, just wanting to be done. But I don't want to get to the end of prep and, like, feel just exhausted and, like, in a bad way. From that, I want to be – and I want to anticipate what God might do with this, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, but now, like, yeah, now for me, if it's the week before, I'm doing my, like, cold read of the focal passage the week before. Then doing some, you know, doing my little scribbles and stuff on things. Studying, going to my, you know, kind of trusted commentaries. And then going back and doing a, not a cold read, but a hot read on, okay, now that I know kind of maybe some other stuff, revisiting what's that look like, and then frame it. And so if I can do that the week prior to me preaching, um, then, like, that's really helpful for me coming into that week where I basically know Monday's shot (laughs) for me. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those three days, I'm trying to crank out, you know, like, actual actually write. Um, And with, with a frame, not, like, feeling like it's a cage for me, but, like, oh, it's supposed to be helpful for me as I'm going through my week and intro for, you know, three points and closing. Trying to get a first draft by Thursday so I can edit over the weekend. Usually there's, like, an extra day in there, a Friday or a Saturday, that I have to, you know, throw into my work week because I'm not done on... <laughs> 
Thursday. That's just how it usually goes. And and that's worked okay. That's been that way for, I don't know, a few months or whatever. And so man, I sleep. I, I sleep now. I drink water. I exercise like on the weeks that I'm preaching, which is which was not the case, you know, even like just a couple years ago, um, just lots of turmoil over that. And so I think it's healthy. So my, for me, what I hope changed is like, like, did I just get to kind of consistently live in that for a little bit? So you feel like the change has come in the last, you know, several months. So, um, and kind of a sidebar for like, just thinking about group preparation. Um, cause now we've got kind of talking about preaching and stuff like, uh, for, so I do like a little video, uh, 10 minutes or so for group leaders every week, just kind of food for thought on, hey, here's some ways that maybe the focal passage like intersects with some stuff that you can talk about with your group, you know? Uh, and so kind of giving some handles for that for me to do those little videos every week for group leaders, which helps me prep for, that, that really is my group preparation or whatever is kind of walking through this stuff. And so it's, hey, what's what's the context that shapes the content? What's the content of the text that then might give shape to some questions uh, that are there. What are some questions that like kind of mold us, shape us as disciples? Like, man, what is this calling us to believe or how should we live or how does the gospel free or empower us here? And then, man, what's the vision casted here like for disciples who are shaped by Christ or, or identified in Jesus. So kind of casting some vision about, hey, this is who we get to be now, uh, freed and empowered because of the gospel. So like, that's kind of some structure that I've given to just my group stuff here in literally the last month <laughs> as I've been thinking about that stuff. So um, yeah. And, gr- know, and groups that's... haven't met in the last month, so it's pretty fresh. It's pretty fresh. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fresh. Yeah. I've been walking through that in Second Peter, through Second Peter as we've been prepping for that series. So it's been good. One f- funny thing. Um... Yeah, one one thing that hasn't changed over the years is is just going back to what we said. Like it is it is really hard, it is really difficult. And my wife texted me an hour ago, "Hey, get that sermon done." Like, <laughs> which is just funny because she's for me and she knows what long weekends and late Saturday nights and tries we might, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, just doesn't happen sometimes. And and so she knows what that means for me. To get that sermon done before I leave today, which is pretty cool. And do you guys mind if I kind of close out with a um, uh, passage of scripture, real quick? One that we've read before together, but kind of brings all that to bear. So we never want you to think that um, that this stuff is, even as we talk about it, and even as we say, yeah, like it's idealistic, but it's 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 labor, but it's worth it's worth the labor. And so this is. Paul in uh, Colossians chapter 1. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that is given to me for you. And so Paul's talking about himself as an apostle, but also as one who just gets to bring like God's word to bear, which we all get to do, to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom what we, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. 
I probably share that every time we talk about this, but it's just such, it's so meaningful to me on those times, like you described, Kelly, when you're like, I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. You're not alone if you're teaching the word and you come to a place where you say, I just don't know. And yet God continues to use broken, clumsy people who, who really do try diligently to make this word um, known, clear, and that that. Christ would be fully known and trusted and treasured, you know? So. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. So, uh, yeah, we are going to be back together in person third Sunday in September. I think that's the 19th. And we're going to talk next time about communicating effectively to your audience, whoever that might be. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have that conversation with whoever's there. If you're listening to this, you've never been before to one of our teaching roundtables, you are more than welcome to join us. We'd love to have you. Uh, it's not like a closed group or anything like that. We'd love to have you come and join us for that time. So uh, it's right after the gathering. So you can bring a lunch with you or a snack or something and just hang out with us. We'd love to love to have you. So uh, thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.